you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. Ephesians, chapter number 5. Shane and I had went uh, to eat with uh, Wade and Debbie Vance the other night. And uh, anyway, we were during the conversation we had, I was saying that one thing I've noticed over the last several years is I'm not telling uh, as many stories in my preaching. And uh, I said it could just be because, you know, hopefully I'm learning more about how to preach and I don't need the stories so much. I don't know what it is, but boy, without missing a beat, Wade said, I don't know, I kind of like it better when you tell the stories. And I was like, I don't know what was he saying. What is he saying there? I'm going to start out today by telling you a story. Uh, this story comes from a book by D.L. Moody uh, called Anecdotes and Illustrations of My Life. And he tells the story about during the California gold rush of course, a lot of people in the eastern United States were poor. They lived in tenement houses in the big cities, and you know, there was just not much hope for a future for them. So a lot of times, the husband or the father would leave the home and travel out west uh, in search of financial security in the gold rush. Well, there was a family, that's exactly what happened, and the father left the mother there with the children and went out west uh, looking for gold. Well, after a lot of work and failure, he finally saw some success, and he sent a telegram back and said, load the kids up. Here's some money. Come on out here. I want the family to be with me. So that's what the mother did. She put the children on a steamer there just outside New York City that would sail around to the Pacific, and they would be able to be with the father. Well, they hadn't been long at sea till they heard the cry that nobody wants to hear on a wooden ship at sea. There's a fire on the ship. Wasn't long after that that the captain said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna have to abandon ship." There was a powder uh, room on the ship that was carrying gunpowder for the U.S. Army, and he knew that once uh, the fire reached that area, that everybody on the ship was gonna die. So he gave the cry abandoned ship there was only one problem they didn't have the safety standards that we have today so there wasn't enough lifeboats for everyone on the ship well shortly all the lifeboats were overcrowded no room left in them the last one was pushing away when this mother who was headed out west with their child pled with them to take their son her and her husband's son and let him just get in that lifeboat well, after much pleading, they finally said okay, and they allowed her to put the son in the lifeboat. But as she was lowering him over the side, uh, she did not try to leap into the lifeboat with the son. She understood that the lifeboat was full. And here's what she said to that boy as she gave him one last hug, one last kiss, and dropped him over the side into the lifeboat. She said, my boy, if you live to see your father, tell him that I died in your place. That's the love of a mother. But not only do we see a love 
of a mother in that. And this is what I really want you to, to get this morning and grasp, church. That's the love of Christ. He died in our place. When the ship was going down, when the fire was getting ready to explode, Jesus himself said, I'll take the penalty. I'll die in their place. Well, we see that exemplified in the love of this mother. We're well aware that being a mother can be messy. And I mean that literally. It can be messy at times to be a mother. But I also mean that figuratively and spiritually and metaphorically this morning. Life gets messy. And mothers love their children so much that they get right down there in the middle of life, in the messiness with their children so that their children can come out on the other side. I don't know what it's like to be a mom. But I do know from watching that it ain't easy. And it takes someone of strength and character to do that job that God has given only mothers to do. So I want to say once again, thank you for being a mother if you're here this morning. Thank you for taking on that task, that command of God to fill the earth and to bring children into the world so that God's kingdom can grow and in and through that He can be glorified. But at the very same time, I know that Mother's Day can be difficult for others. And for those that are here today that Mother's Day doesn't bring that joyous feeling. There may be sadness that comes into your heart because of that, uh, 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 because it's Mother's Day. Perhaps you don't have that relationship with your mother. Perhaps you haven't been that mother. I want to tell you today that God loves you. He cares about you today. And my prayer today is that God himself will minister to you, that he will comfort you, that he will strengthen you, and that he will lead you to that place that he wants you to be. I'll tell you one more story, Wade. I read a story not long ago about a violinist. Most of you, probably, or a lot of you have probably heard him. His name is Josh Bell. He owns a Stradivarius uh, violin that is worth that well at the time he bought it he paid right at four million dollars to own that Stradivarius violin it was made in 1713 during the height of that mini ice age where those trees had grown strong and that's why those Stradivarius uh, violins are are, are are just different than any other and of course uh, his Antonis uh, Stradivari's expertise at making those violins. But Josh Bell is, is a world-renowned violinist to the point that he fills up st uh, stadiums and auditoriums and, and concert halls where people are paying thousands of dollars for a ticket. Well, he ran a little experiment. And he got this violin, which is now priceless, that he paid almost $4 million for and went down into the subway station at the D Washington, D.C. Metro substation and sat down. He put on some tennis shoes and blue jeans and pulled out his Stradivarius violin and set a little bucket down, kind of like Eli did down at uh, Caswell when he got people giving him money for uh, playing his, his banjo. And this world-renowned violinist began to play this priceless violin as people walked by. He did that for 90 minutes. 
and nobody noticed. Nobody stopped. The experiment told them that you can be in the presence of greatness and because of your perception, because of everything going on around, because that we're so busy that we can literally walk by greatness and not even know that it's going on around us. Well, I want to say something. I'm going to get to the book here in just a minute, I promise. All around this room this morning when I had mothers stand up. I did that for a reason. I wanted us to see that we're in the presence of greatness. Something priceless is going on when a woman accepts that responsibility to raise her children, to nourish those children. But I've got to be honest, oftentimes because life's so busy, our perceptions, hey, there's things going on, that we don't stop and realize the greatness that we're in the presence of and thank God for that gift that He's given us. Listen, I get busy. And there's times that I go a week and won't even call my mom. I remember um, when we were little. Now this was back before free lunch when the government uh, relieved parents of the responsibility of being parents and paid for those children's lunch at school. Um, I remember my mama many times leaving to go to work and she'd have two or three dollars in her pocket. And she'd take those two or three dollars in her pocket and lay them on the counter so that me and my sister would be able to buy our lunch at school that day. And she didn't have another dime left to her to get herself anything while she was at work. And you know what? I didn't appreciate that at the time. I was in the presence of greatness and did not know it. So my challenge today, church, to all of us that are gathered here this morning, that let's notice, let's give thanks for the greatness that we are in the presence of. You see, God has given us a priceless gift, uh, not a Stradivarius violin, but this thing called motherhood, this gift that He's given us where uh, 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 females bear the burden of the next generation that hopefully will be the followers of Christ. And I want to tell you that's a great responsibility for that person, but it's a great gift to the world. Ephesians chapter number 5. Verse number one, the Bible records these words. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. This gift of motherhood. Um, mothers. Show us, imitate, mirror these qualities of God. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Well, nobody can do that unless that, uh, that uh, action, that attitude, the, the steps that we are supposed to take to follow God, somebody shows us how to do that. And God has given us mothers to do exactly that. 
So here's what I want you to think about today. As mothers are obedient to God and raise up their children in the nourishment and admonition of the Lord, they are reflecting Him. They are showing their children how to be followers of God. And they do that in several ways. And I want to share them with you this morning. Number one, mothers mirror God's unlimited love. I still remember um, um, I was going to a little church, Shane and I was, and um, I just got out of the military and God had saved me. And man, I was so glad to be saved. I mean, I'm going to tell you what, I was one of them people that when God saved them, I'm going to tell you, I was glad to be saved because I was wicked. And when he saved me and turned my life around, I'm going to tell you what, I was just happy to be saved. I thought every Christian was just happy to be saved. I've since learned that if we're not careful, a lot of Christians lose that joy of their salvation. But I'm going to tell you, I was going to this church and I was trying to get involved here and I was trying to get involved here and I was trying to get in. I mean, I wanted to do everything for Jesus that I could. And one night, the, or one day the preacher come to me and he said, Keith, I, I, I've just been watching you and I, it seems to me that God's kind of got his hand on you. And Would you mind standing up on a, on a Sunday night and, and just giving the message? And I said, well, I, I, I don't know about that. And he said, I, I've just been watching you. And he said, I'm not so sure that God might not be calling you to preach the gospel. And Shane will verify this. I looked at him and I said, I believe you've lost your mind. <laughs> Why would God tell you something that God's not telling me? But he kept on and he pressed me and I said, I finally agreed to it. And I said, all right, I'll get up and I'll speak. And I did. And I'm going to tell you what, I can't even remember how it, how it went. But one thing I can promise you, it was bad. <laughs> but you know what? My mama was proud of me when she heard that was going to take place and she come to hear me and when I got finished as bad as it was my mama come up to me and she gave me a big hug and she said Keith I'm so proud of you I believe that was the best message I ever heard not Ed Collins either you know. <laughs> well, I knew that wasn't the best message she had ever heard if she had ever heard any message that wasn't the best message she had ever heard but I'm going to tell you what, that's that unlimited love that only a mama can show, amen? Where they want to encourage their children. The Bible says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Well, the Bible also says in John chapter 3, verse number 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God's love is unlimited. It extends from the heights of heaven to the lowest hell. And a mother has the opportunity to reflect that unlimited love of God to her family and teach her children how to be followers of God as dear children. My mama didn't even know it at the time. But she was mirroring God's unlimited love as she supported me. Uh, mothers do that. I want to tell you another story about a man named Ben. He was poor. He lived in the inner city Detroit. His parents had divorced. He was being raised by his mother. He was in elementary school. And the other children made fun of him. 
They said he was the dumbest kid in the class. Even to the point that he got in, in a fight one day over this issue. Was he the dumbest kid in the class or the dumbest kid in the world? And all of the people at school made fun of him because he was poor and because he didn't talk good. But his mama didn't believe that. And she challenged him because she loved him with an unlimited love. And she said, Ben, every day when you come home from school, I want you to write me a book report and turn that in. Not just one, but two every day. About two books that you've read that day. And Ben began to do that. His mother, who had a third grade education, would read those reports, correct those reports, offer him insight about those reports, have him rewrite those reports to the point that when Ben graduated high school, he was the top of his class. He got a scholarship to Yale University and he went on to medical school at the University of Michigan. He first gained worldwide attention in 1987 when he became the first person to separate Siamese twins that were joined at the back of the head. Dr. Ben Carson now serves as the secretary in the Trump administration of housing and urban development. One of the most godly uh, public servants that we have in our nation today. He served at John Hopkins Medical School. He's also served as a pediatric neurosur or, uh, a surgeon at the Pediatric Neurosurgery Center at John Hopkins Medical Center. He's performed complex and first-time surgeries on brain and neurological spinal cord issues. I'll say this. That ain't bad for the dumbest kid in class, is it? And how did all that take place? Because his mama loved him with an unlimited love and she said, look, you're worth something. You're worth something to me. And I'm going to do what it takes to, to, for the world to see what you're worth to me. You're worth to them. And that's a gift that God gives to a mama to be able to institute that, to be able to put it up in the hearts of their children that they're to be ye followers of God as dear children and love them with an unlimited love. You know what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. You can put it up on the screen if you want to. I'll just kind of repeat it. It lists a whole bunch of things that can't separate us from the love of God, right? I mean, height, debt, powers, all these things can't separate us from the love of God. But then it says there at the end that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Well, I'm going to tell you what, mothers mirror that unlimited love of God. God so loved the world that He gave His Son that if we'd simply believe in Him, we don't have to face the punishment or the perishing or the persecution and all of that, but we can be forgiven and bring us back into a right relationship with God. Mothers show that. Number two, mothers mirror God's determined discipline. Do you know the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, I believe it is, chapter uh, number 12, Verse number five, uh, you can put that up there if you want to as well. I'm not going to turn there. That God disciplines those he loves. Now in the King James it uses the word chastens, but that's what it means. God disciplines those that he loves. 
Let me tell you another story this morning. I know I've got to move on. Uh, George Bush was the 43rd president uh, of the United States, George Bush Jr. And his wife tells the story of how they went down to Texas to visit their mom and daddy. You know, George Bush Sr. president and uh, Barbara Bush's mama. And she, t they, she tells the story of how they got in the living room and George Bush walks in Barbara Bush's living room and sits down and props his foot up on the table. And how the Barbara Bush walked over and slapped his foot and said, get your foot off my table, young man. And, and George Bush Sr. said, honey, you realize he's the president of the United States. And she said, I don't care. Even presidents obey their mama. <laughs> Amen. Listen, mothers mirror a determined discipline that God, if he loves us, chastens his children. And listen, if we're going to be followers of Christ, we've got to learn some discipline. Amen. I mean, discipline comes before freedom. We've got that backwards in our country nowadays. And mothers have an opportunity to mirror that as they live that out so the Ephesians 5.1 principle can take place. That if we're going to be followers of Christ as Jesus follows, uh, we're going to follow God as Jesus follows Christ and, and we're going to imitate that, then God has given us the gift of motherhood to mirror that so that we can learn it. I was telling somebody the other day, you can even teach a rat how to walk through tubes if you let it watch another rat do it so many times. The best way to learn it is if we watch others doing it. And God's given mothers. Listen, I'm, I'm hard to teach. I'm stubborn and I'm rebellious and I know all of that. But God has given us the gift of mothers to mirror that determined discipline that God chastens those that he loves. I'll tell one more story and then I'll move on and I'll close. There used to be a doctor down here in Morganton. His name was Dr. Hemings. And he was up on the hill there. And I can't remember that street. But anyway, he was up on the hill. Probably some of you remember that. He was a pediatrician. And they took me in there one day in Madison. I was in Montana, I believe. Maybe it was Dakota. I was telling them the story the other day. And they was going to give me a shot. Well, I didn't like shots. So I took off running out the doctor's office. My mama and about three nurses chasing me. I run all the way down the hill, down that main street that goes through Morganton, and they didn't catch me till I was running through the doors at Rose's department store. Down, That's how far I made it. Now, the nurses and all them, they are laughing, and they thought it was cute and funny. But my mama beat me all the way up that sidewalk going back. And by the time I got back, that shot didn't look so bad. Amen? Hey, when mothers have a backbone and stand firm, they mirror the determined discipline of God to teach us that there's some things in this world that we've got to stand up to and stand up for. And that comes from the gift of mothers. I read just the other day that we've got the psychological literature backwards. For hundreds of years, we thought that, that, that young men especially learned how to be tough from their daddies and how they learned to be empathetic and sympathetic from the mothers. Well, I won't go into all the evidence, but I'm going to tell you it made a pretty convincing case that especially boys, they learn how to be tough from their mama. They learn how to stand up from themselves 
from their mama. They learn how to be sympathetic and empathetic from their daddy. Now, you can talk to me later if you want to hear me make the case. I believe I could convince you too. Mothers mirror the determined discipline of God. But I want to close with this. Mothers mirror God's selfless sacrifice. In the act of bringing that child into the world, a mother, not figuratively, literally, offers their body up to be bring that child into the world. The Bible says in the book of Philippians, and I'm going to ask you to turn there, chapter number 2, verse number 3. Look what the Bible says. Philippians 2. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Mothers mirror God's selfless sacrifice. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now listen to this. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Ephesians 5, 1 principle, if we're going to be followers of God, mothers mirror that selfless sacrifice, giving of ourselves for the betterment of another. And church, I want you to understand something. Let's honor our mothers. But the greatest picture that's ever been painted of that, it wasn't God shouting down from heaven saying, I love you. He said, I'll show you how much I love you. And he came to this earth and he died in our place so that we could be redeemed, born again, brought back into the family of God. Mothers mirror that selfless sacrifice. Sacrifice. Well, how do you close that? Well, wait, I want to close it with one more story. It's a story about a beautiful young woman who was a mother in New York City. She'd went out to the store and left her infant child asleep. And by the way, that used to not be that uncommon before we had these helicopter parents that thought that they had to watch their kids do everything and protect them to the point of destroying them. Oops, I'll stop there. Uh, but she had went out to the store and left her infant and when she came back the tenement apartment building that she lived in was on fire the fire department was already there and they tried to restrain her but could not she broke through fought through to get into that building where her child lay she was able to successfully go into the building and get her child but in doing so she was badly burned to the point of being permanently disfigured. Her face, her arms, her neck was burnt. Scar tissue, grotesque looking. But she was successful. And she saved that little baby girl. She raised that little baby girl. And she grew up and became a young woman like her mother of great beauty. Extraordinary beauty. Well, one day there was the mother and the little girl. They were going on a boat ride up the river. and The girl was a young woman by then. and She was on the front deck. And as I know, because I've got a beautiful little girl, she was surrounded by a bunch of men that was trying to vie for her attention. 
with a mother kind of standing back watching this beautiful young lady as she's around these men. One particularly wealthy and handsome young man was talking to the daughter and he made a comment something like this. Look at that horrible looking woman at the back of the boat and laughed. The young lady turned, glanced at her mother and turned back to the young man and said, Mm. I don't know who that is. It broke that mother's heart. After all of these years, she had carried the scars of saving her little girl. And to have her little girl deny her publicly created a wound that was far, far deeper than those physical Scars of the fight. Now I'm going to really challenge you. I see the sadness on your face. If you're here today and you're living your life in such a way that you're not giving 100% of all that you are and all that you ever hope to be to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're just like that little girl who denied her scarred mother to the world. But, 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 God allowed you to be here today so that you can take care of that problem. You see, that little girl realized what she had did. She went to the mother, got down on her knees in front of her and said, Mama, you saved my life. I want you to forgive me. And I promise you that for as long as I live, I'll never deny you again. That's what Jesus is asking us to do today. Jesus is asking us, look, I bear the scars because I was willing to come and pay the price so that you could be saved from the fire. Don't deny me. Give me all that you are and all that you ever hope to be. So if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, stop denying him. He bears the scars. Come today and say, Jesus, I give you my life. Take it. Forgive me. And make me into the person you want me to be. But perhaps you're not serving him. That's a denial as well. Come today and say, Jesus, I want to serve you with all of my heart and all of my life. Perhaps you've got a mother like I've described this morning. And you simply want to come to this altar and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of mama. Perhaps you don't. And you want to come and say, God, I'm bearing that burden. I didn't have a mama like that. God, help me to work through these issues and forgive and move on. Give me the strength that I can be that model so that my children and my grandchildren could be followers of God. Like Ephesians 5.1 says, whatever the Lord speaks to you, the question is, are you going to be obedient in that?